Thanks for tuning into the Ways to Flourish podcast, where we discuss how to flourish through our challenges and elevate voices across William & Mary's campus. I'm Lindsay Heck. And I'm Janae Helmendaller. Today, we're joined by Dr. Kelly Crace, the Associate VP for Health and Wellness. Hi, Kelly. How are you today? Hi, Jenny. Hi, Lindsay. It's good being with you again. And could you tell us a little bit more about what you do at the Wellness Center here? So I have a number of different hats. Um, As Associate Vice President for Health and Wellness, I serve the needs of all the health and wellness departments within Student Affairs, which means the Counseling Center, the Health Center, Health Promotion, Campus Recreation, and the Center for Mindfulness and Authentic Excellence. But I'm also a psychologist by training, and so my life's work has been around studying life transition and the impact of life transition on wellness, especially as it relates to flourishing, which is kind of that extra layer, that extra dimension of wellness. And a lot of that work is enfolded in our work in CMAX, the Center for Mindfulness and Authentic Excellence. And when we go into new student orientation, I mean, depending upon your life experience, this could be the largest transition that you had experienced at this point in time. New people, new environment. Kelly, psychologically, like what what happens to us? Why is it so difficult in some instances for us to experience these major changes? You know, change is something that has stress associated with it, period. Mm -hmm. Um, With change, the reason why it's so stressful is with everyone, change means that I'm leaving something and what I'm heading to is uncertain. And so our brain processes that as loss and fear. Now, for some people, that sense of loss is something that is mild and um, just maybe met with some sadness or nostalgia. And for other people, it's a full-on grief reaction as to what they're leaving. Um, And with the uncertainty, for some people, that's welcome. They get excited by the uncertainty, and it's something that's exciting to them. And for others, it's extremely fearful and anxiety-provoking. I think the thing that's important is um, transition and change is also also kind of a lot like grief. It's very individual. So we have to be careful about kind of broad sweeping generalizations about what everybody experiences. And at the same time, there are some commonalities such as this kind of loss and uncertainty that we all go through. But we all bring to this environment as a new student just many diverse experiences that can shape the impact of this change for us. And are there really any predictors for who may struggle more with change than others? I think a large part of it depends. It's hard to predict. This is one of those things that we know. We know that change is stressful. Now, whether that stressful is that stress is perceived as bad or good is largely a function of that person's lens. But there are certain things that we can look at and see in terms of what are they bringing to this change and how big is this change for them. The main predictor that we can get from it is that change has a level of stress on our brain and it's it's important to pay attention to that. People that tend to struggle through that, in fact, with new students coming to campus, we find there are kind of three approaches that they that they take and two of those approaches tend to struggle and one tends to flourish. One student will come with kind of the mindset of, I'm, I'm going to, I came here with a model of success that got me here. And so they, they rely on that model, but they rely on it in a very rigid way. In other words, they try to completely apply the model that they came here with to this new environment. Those students tend to struggle a little bit during this change. 
Another student will come in with the perspective that I come here with a model of success, but I'm not quite sure if it's going to work here. So they come in with doubt and anxiety about, is my model enough? Am I enough? And they come in with a level of stress and anxiety that causes them to doubt themselves enough that makes this a very hard change for them. Both are very, both approaches are very normal and very human. But the third approach is the one that tends to be the most successful. And these are the students that come in with their model of success and they trust that model, but that they listen during the first month of their transition here. They listen for one or two strategies to kind of help adapt that model. And that's the whole point of the STEP program. That's the whole point of Lauren's wonderfully wise way of developing orientation to help give students various strategies for them to think about that would help them adapt that model. So even though there's uncertainty and nervousness and anxiety a little bit, the students that tend to flourish are ones that come in and say, I am enough, my model is enough that got me here, and I need to adapt this model a little bit. And so they rely on strategies, they rely on other people, they rely on support, they rely on upper class students to kind of learn um, what they need to do to adapt. And could you tell us a little bit more about what are some common models you've seen of students coming in that like may or may not have been effective for them? Yeah, I think for many of the students, when they come in um, excited or nervous, they've spent so much time preparing for this moment. You know, they this wasn't a two-month preparation. This has been happening for years and their choice to come here is either can be a wide range of things. One, um, this may be their first choice. This could be, I've talked with students that said they've wanted to come to William & Mary since they were in middle school or since they were coming to William and Williamsburg as, as a young student, as a young person with family, that this has always been their number one choice. And I've talked with students that this wasn't their number one choice. This was the best option that was remaining, but it wasn't their number one choice. That matters to them. That experience matters. There's also this model that comes with the diversity of experiences people come in. You know, we think of kind of the traditional student coming in as a first-year student, which is your traditional um, 18 or 19-year-old student where leaving home for the first time and coming into this new place, um, they are on their own for the first time. Uh, there's so many developmental issues that are just exciting for them that are really robust and rich. But there's also a lot of other students that come to campus where that's not their experience. It can be a transfer student that has already been in one place and is coming to a new opportunity in a new community. It can be our non-traditional students, our student veterans, or our older students that have had a lot of life experiences and are coming into this for the first time. And it means something very different for them. I think the important thing that we've seen in terms of what models tend to be most effective comes down to a couple of things. One, because of this uncertainty, we are vulnerable to moving into a need state. And what we need is reassurance that everything is going to be okay. For most human beings, they'll look for that reassurance by outcomes. That how did it go? How did it go today? How did it go to tomorrow? And so they start keeping score of these outcomes to see if this transition is going to be okay for them. That, that method and approach, which is just fully human to do, that's our natural response. 
can often just create a, a very evaluative mindset and a very judgmental mindset and can cause us to freak out if we have a couple of days of bad outcomes, bad experiences of, oh my gosh, did I, did I make the wrong choice? The model that seems to be the most effective is this kind of explorer mindset, this curious, inquisitive mindset that's all about learning and it's about engagement, that the key is engagement, engagement in what matters to you and in learning from that. Then when the good outcomes happen, they can kind of experience that as icing on the cake. And when the bad outcomes happen, they just focus on taking care of themselves, but they move right back into engagement. And life is full of changes, transitions. Kelly, we've talked a lot about the orientation, moving into this new campus environment. But is the explorer mindset something that would be applicable to all transitions of life? Or are there other things that we should be tuned into? It really is so applicable. We start working with this. In fact, we did a, a seminar last week with a, a large group of middle school students because we find that, if, in fact, if you look at people that consistently flourish, no one perfectly flourishes, but when you look at people that consistently flourish and you ask them, how did you learn these strategies? The people that do it the best and the most consistently learn those strategies at like middle school and high school. And so that early learning helped with that. So we're starting at a very young age of trying to work with young, young adolescents and young adults as to how do you develop these, this inquisitive, curious strategy instead of this judgmental, evaluative strategy that's a part of our portfolio culture. How is my portfolio building toward the next step? But it's applicable in all stages. We, like last week, we worked with middle school students. A month earlier, I was working with individuals that were preparing for retirement. And they were having the same fears, the same anxieties around the uncertainty. And, and they were moving into this need says, I need this to happen. I need this to happen. And I need this to happen for it to work out okay. They were moving right into that need-based mindset. And we were helping them move back into kind of that explorer mindset. There's so many different ways to think about transition. And one of the healthiest ways to think about it is anything that kind of disrupts our rhythm that we have a reaction to, and then we have to recover from, and then we have to restabilize, that's a transition. So some of them are proactive ones that we can, can anticipate, you know, going to college and getting a, going to my next chapter after college and my first job and who I'm going to spend my life with, that type of thing. Um, there are so many transitions we can predict, but then we also find ourselves in transitions we couldn't predict. If I had asked you New Year's Eve uh, during the day, if I had asked you New Year's Eve 2019, what do you think 2020 is going to be like for you? You know, our answer would have been completely different than what we found ourselves in. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we find ourselves in situations we didn't anticipate, reactive transitions, but we're in it. How do we manage that? And we find that that explorer mindset, that growth-oriented learning mindset is still the best way to manage that. So just to clarify for, for my sense, is that explorer mindset, would you call that a coping skill or are there other coping strategies that are effective during transitions? It is a form of coping because it has to be something intentional. We mm -hmm. won't naturally do that. So for us to mindfully and intentionally move into that learning mindset, it is because it's a natural something that is somewhat of a coping strategy because if we just naturally respond, we'll kind of go in a different direction unless mm -hmm. we've learned this. Mm -hmm. 
And so, but there are other coping strategies that we can think about, you know, good, healthy self-care strategies. Am, am I going to manage this change by perfectionistic control? Or am I going to manage this change by avoiding and just escaping and just turning away until I have to manage it? Um, do I have healthy coping strategies? So like one of the things that the Explorer Mindset kind of gets at this focus of we're trying to move individuals into managing change by being more value-centered and healthy-focused instead of emotion-centered and habit-focused. Sometimes we just develop coping patterns that are habitual, Sometimes they're healthy, but sometimes they're not healthy. And we just kind of find ourselves keep doing that because it's just familiar. So even though it's not necessarily healthy for me because it's because it's so familiar and habitual, we just find ourselves in it in the next transition and the next transition. The learning mindset helps us to kind of learn that, well, how do I want to cope this year? You know, I might want to do it by taking a mindfulness course or developing a new peer network or going to counseling or taking on this new activity. But this may be something, but the key is with the Explorer mindset, that can change every year. It can change every semester. We want it to change because we as individuals change too. So how do we move into this mindset. Um, I'm definitely sold on the idea that you should go into things as an explorer and, and being open to new challenges. Um, but what exactly do we do to get out of that old, like, you know, relying on past experiences, relying on our instincts? Yeah, it's one of those things because it is hard. Um, we have to really kind of think about it in terms of training, mental training. In the same way with physical training, you know, you can say, I want to be fit, but just wanting that and getting and, and then saying, well, let me go explore what being physically fit looks like. And I read that. It's like, that makes sense to me. But just that awareness and understanding doesn't make me fit. I have to engage and I have to engage today and tomorrow and the next day. And I have to commit to that engagement. It's the same way with our own mental training. The world around us doesn't foster an explorer mindset. The world around us fosters an outcome-oriented, evaluative, scorekeeping mindset. Our own neurology fosters that. So to do something different, we have to engage in it and do it every day. As we've talked about in past podcasts, people always ask me every now and then just, you know, is it okay not to flourish? Every, do we have to flourish every day? And I, I always chuckle and say, Sh of course it's okay not to flourish every day. But the issue is when you want to flourish, if you haven't practiced it and trained it, you just can't step into it by choosing it. You have to engage in this process. And it's also kind of changing the definition of flourishing. A lot of people think of flourishing as I'm happy or I'm just at my best. Sometimes we're flourishing when we actually get out of bed when everything in our mind is telling us to stay in bed. That's flourishing because you're stepping into something that matters. And so the process is kind of three steps. I always kind of say, if we want to start this practice, let's start practicing first when you brush your teeth in the morning and brush your teeth in the evening, as we hope all of us are doing. But when you're brushing your teeth in the morning, think about what matters to me today and how might I step into that today? no matter what I'm feeling, because most of the time we'll, stay, we'll wake up with the idea of what, what I have to do today and how do I seek comfort after that. Instead, you want to step into purpose by saying, what matters to me today and what opportunities are there for me to practice that and step into that? Secondly, the second step is, 
to engage in that and define your success by that engagement. So when I step into those things that matter, that's the success, not what happens from it. The success is the engagement period. And then at the end of the day, while you're brushing your teeth, take a moment and just appreciate where you engaged in that. That is the most critical step and it's the most neglected step in our culture. We tend not to do that. And that third step has to happen with no buts. No buts allowed. We can't say, well, I did this for an hour, but I could have done it for two. I did this, but I could have done so much better. No, take a moment and appreciate where I courageously stepped in to engagement. Those three steps, which sound easy, but actually are really hard to do, is the practicing that we have to do to kind of change our mindset into that explorer mindset. I find that so freeing because I feel that it's so easy to fall into that. This is how I feel. This is what it is. There are no other options, but how helpful is that to know? It's making that choice and, and putting the work into that. It's not just, oh, I'm magically waking up to bluebirds and sunshine on my windows, um, but stepping into that. And to me, I think that the flourishing piece, like, there's a part of that where it's recognizing when I'm not really flourishing and moving in, like activating the mind to make those decisions every single day. Yeah, the, the wonderful thing about that learning, curi- that active curiosity, that explorer mindset is it actually helps us be more accountable and even more fully emotional. A lot of people think that by being value centered, are we trying to be less emotional? Just, just flourishing being mean, being less emotional. Actually, when we flourish, we're more fully emotional and we're more fully analytical uh, and we're actually very self-accountable because we're not threatened by it. If I need to have a certain experience and I'm not getting it and I judge myself for that, that's what creates the imposter syndrome. In fact, the imposter syndrome is is nurtured by transition and change. Whenever we move into uncertainty, into this new rhythm, into this new place, we always look around and we're always judging people's outsides by our insides. And everybody looks so much more capable than we do because we know our insecurities, but we don't know others. And so that really fosters that imposter syndrome, which gets fueled by an evaluative mindset, a judgmental mindset. This explorer mindset allows us to just really define our success by engagement and what matters to us and allow us to feel whatever we feel in that. Some days I'll just feel in sync with that and it it will feel like the birds are chirping and, and everything is just in rhythm. And there are other days where it feels like my emotions are fighting that every step of the way. And yet if I can trust that this matters to me, I know this matters to me and I, and it's hard for me to do it today, but that's, what's courageous about stepping into it. And then at the end of the day, if I can have that explore mindset and say, what can I learn from today that'll help me for tomorrow? There can be days where I can sit there and say, you know, I, I really kind of led with fear today and I avoided most of the day. And instead of chastising ourselves or judging ourselves, we say, what about that can I learn? Why might I have done that today? Why might I have been vulnerable for that today? And what can I learn about that from tomorrow? It allows us to see this as a learning experience. And that's what growth is. We can't grow without change because we grow by challenge and support. Change is a form of challenge. So that's how we grow. But we have to grow healthfully with that explorer mindset. And what a wonderful community to be planted in to be able to experience that growth that 
everyone gets to explore here on campus. Yeah, especially coming in as a new student, it's not going to be like birds chirping all the time. Like you will come in and like more likely than not, you're going to be in an unfamiliar setting with unfamiliar people and unfamiliar experiences. So definitely I think it's, I think everything you've been saying is just really good. It just, yeah, another knows like it's supposed to be new and it's supposed to be challenging. And luckily you're probably surrounded by people who are similarly being challenged yeah, exactly. And and if someone is truly being engaged in things that matter to them, what we know during these this chapter of life of the college years is there will be days that will be some of the best days they can ever think of imagining. And they will have some awful days because there will be heartbreak, there will be disappointment, there will be loss. And it's about how do I hold that in a healthy way? Instead of how do I protect myself from that, is how do I hold that in a healthy way? And it's also about community and belonging. And so it's not only about what can we do individually to kind of develop that explorer mindset, but how do we develop a community and a culture of that too? How do we talk with each other? Like, am I doing the one-upping of stress glorification when someone is coming to me and saying, I've got, I'm so overwhelmed, I've got this. And then so I respond by saying, well, yeah, but I've got this and I've got this. And we, we just ping pong back and forth to try to one-up each other as to who has it the hardest Am I fostering an evaluative mindset there or an explorer mindset? Or am I meeting with someone and asking them first, what was meaningful today? Share a highlight with me today. Or if someone comes and says, I'm overwhelmed because I have this, do you one-up them or do you say, that does sound hard? What can we do today that could be healthy for us to support you in this hardness that you're experiencing? That's a culture that creates an explorer mindset. I love how the explorer mindset is something that has such an impact on the individual. But when we start to practice and engage in that and incorporate that into our relationships, what a beautiful change that has on our campus and the culture that we share. So it's hard to do, but it's only hard. Mm -hmm. And no student that comes to William Mary is unfamiliar with hard. They know hard. And so if you can just put it in that framework of it's hard, and it's only hard, then they can step into that kind of practice. And they don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of resources and supportive resources to help them through that process. And knowing too, I think that as we move into those hard spaces, those challenging places, that inevitably we will experience also being able to embrace that growth that comes at the end of it. Yes. And that's what it's all about. So we've talked a lot about resources, a lot about flourishing. Could you tell us a little bit more about some of those things that are available to us? Well, I think one of the things I appreciate about our community is we are a community of caring. So students look out for each other. They care for each other. Our faculty and staff care about student relationships. And so we have a community of people. No one has to be alone in this. We have a community of people that care about our well-being. But we also have offices and support services and resources that are specifically dedicated toward transition and change. And so many of the student affairs departments are all dedicated and committed to helping individuals through transition and change. So being able to go to the website around student affairs and look at the different departments and see which ones speak to me, whether it's 
whether it's student accessibility services or um, the Center for Student Diversity or the Counseling Center or Health Promotion, whatever it is, it might be, let me go to campus recreation and look and see what opportunities there are for me to be involved in intramurals or sport clubs or just um, getting at multiple dimensions of my wellness. It's about being able to go for a first time and have a wellness check instead of seeing the Student Health Center as a place to go when you're getting sick. Um, how can I learn about my body now at this stage, at this age of my life by having a wellness exam? There's so many ways to think about this through so many dimensions of wellness. That's why we created the William Mary Wellness app is for students to be able to download that app and be able to access all the resources and services and sign up for classes and courses that would contribute to that explorer mindset and to their own well-being and help them navigate the turbulent waters of change in a way that feels healthy. It doesn't necessarily smooth the waters, but it helps that navigation be healthy. Thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us today. It's been such a great conversation, and I'm definitely going to need to go and reevaluate whatever evaluative mindset I've got going on. But um, thank you also to our sponsor, United Healthcare, for support of this podcast. Ways to Flourish is produced by Lindsay Heck, Calder Sprinkle, and myself, Jenny Helen Dollar. <laughs> <laughs>